Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, beloved listeners. We appreciate all of your support. We truly do. But if you want to give us a bit of extra support, you can do that by reviewing us on iTunes. Now, this is super important as it helps us to be seen by other potential listeners out there. So stop what you're doing. If you're driving, let go of the wheel and quickly give us a review. We'll love you forever. We promise. Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Leary. And today we'll be discussing the latest show in our must-watch category, Season 3 of Louie. How are you doing, Damask? Uh, pretty wonderful, actually, yeah. That's good. Well, mm. Wonderful. In what sense? What's happening in your life? Um, well, to be honest with you... There are two Real Housewives reunions airing at the moment. Right. One, yeah. Beverly Hills. That's pretty good. And also Atlanta, which is my favorite uh, Housewives franchise. You have mentioned that before. We talked about Atlanta, I think. Yeah. You mentioned that. Um, and as everyone knows who watches these shows, the reunions are the best time for them. Best storylines. Everything like comes to a head. It's it's a great time to be alive. What what does it mean for it to be a reunion? Has it been off the air for a while and they're getting the same old crew back together? Or so it's um it's the end of the season and so they get uh, all the women together, sit on a couch, and then bring up every issue that has happened throughout the season, and then they hash it out. Many times it's ended in physical altercations. Many props have been used. It's fantastic. It's yeah, it's a good it's a good time. So it's like a violent version of the circle. They just get everyone to talk. And like until Sometimes, they get so angry. Like, it's not always violent. In, in fact, it's rarely violent. But when it is, ooh, it's good. Um, but yeah, it's kind of similar to The Circle, except um, actually entertaining. Oh, yeah, nice. Wow. Burn on The Circle. Hmm. That's For good. anyone who wonders what The Circle is, it's like The View. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, is The Circle our version? Or is uh, the yeah, view? The Circle is our version. Oh, I sure. forgot. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy. I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, I'm, I'm yet to see it. That was good. I'm too poor. That was moment, good. I, I cried. Oh, more, you cry in everything. More than once. Yeah, I do. Oh. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a big baby when it comes to that stuff. Though. But it was good. Anyway, moving along. Spoiler warning. On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one, two, and three of Louie. If you've not yet watched Louie, pause the podcast, go watch it, come back, and then you may join us. Otherwise, proceed with caution. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Quick breakdown of season three of Louie. This uh, season continues the episodic and sometimes less episodic adventures of stand-up comedian and single father of two girls, Louis C.K. This season consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 22 minutes and took us approximately four hours and 45 minutes to watch. Damask, do you have a story synopsis for us? I do. Two detectives, a rookie and a veteran, hunt a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as his modus operandi. 
Oh, no, that's actually the rundown of the movie Seven. I don't have a rundown for this show at all. <laughs> I, it's, there's nothing to say that I haven't said before. That so. was amazing. <laughs> I actually didn't expect that. I turned away to do something else as I do in these parts because I know it's like, he oh, yeah. He just ignores I, me. I've just watched this whole season. I know exactly <laughs> what she's about to say. and did not expect to see <laughs> that result. That was incredible. All right, well, that's perfect. We can just get straight into things. General thoughts. What do we think of this season of Louis Damask? We'll start with you. Can we start with you? Okay, I'll start. Um, I really, really liked it. And the first I, I, the first thing that struck me, or something that struck me about halfway through the season, was that I was laughing less than last season. I think I talked about oh, yes. in season two. <laughs> I the case. found myself laughing a bit more than season one. I found the like the punchlines and the setups and the jokes and stuff a little bit better. This season, I was laughing a lot le- less, but I was also more engaged for a few different reasons. One of the things we've talked about and we'll talk about in detail soon is that we tend to engage with things more when there's a bit of continuity going on, when there's returning yeah. characters and stuff like that. And a bit of emotional weight there, yeah. There actually was... Uh, some amount of continuity, still a bit loosey goosey. He introduces mm. a third fucking sister, um, or the same one. We don't no, know. No, it's different. I checked their is names. It? Yeah. Oh, okay. So okay. it's definitely his third sister. Because I was like, is this Amy Poehler like playing? Because Amy Poehler plays the sister in this mm. one. It's like, is this playing one of the characters? But then you met? never know. He might have just changed his sister's name. <sighs> Who knows? Like you don't know. Yeah. But this, I, I would count them as being three. Si- well, this is the third sister we've met. That's for certain. Anyway. Um, but all that, with all that being said and done, um, yeah, it, there was some amount of continuity going on there, and I thought that was pretty cool. That sucked me in a little bit, which I really like. There's a little world that is starting to be created in this show now. I really like that. What about you? Yeah, well, this season certainly was the season of a thousand cameos, yes, which was nice was to lot. see a lot of familiar faces and faces that I respect. Yeah, I, I after the season finished, I felt. A little disillusioned, I think. Really? Um, yeah. I kind of just... Well, I think it was because I was like, I didn't really laugh that much. I don't know what this is. And I was confused and I just like... I felt really flat. And then I was doing research for the podcast, as I usually do. And I was reading lots of interviews and listening to podcasts and after I did that I felt a lot better about it oh, actually really? yeah yeah the more like the more insight I get into um how Louis CK works and what he's and when he's actually explaining to me like kind of what he's doing I respect it and I understand it more um but at the time of actual viewing I was just like when is it going to be funny? Like I was just kind of waiting for that. And then like also the emotional punches weren't coming for me really because I find it, yeah, I I do find it hard to feel something if I know that in the next episode it's going to change or in like the next five episodes something like different that kind of uh, renegs that happens. Um, Sure. It cheapens it for me. So it's harder for me to have faith in any kind of emotional moment or – personal growth however after yeah after doing the research I feel a better understanding of what's happening and I'm able to remove my expectations a little which makes it in retrospect more enjoyable I think yeah yeah so it's interesting you set your expectations to some degree obviously that this is a comedy and you should be laughing basically Mm, yeah which is weird because in season one I felt that way I think 
I, I think it's when I feel the show is trying to be funny and I don't laugh, I get frustrated, right? But I didn't always think the show was trying to be funny. Well, that's the thing. I like in my research, I was going through because I literally typed into Google because I was so con- confused. It's like, is Louis funny? Like I just typed it <laughs> and then I came across great like question. Yeah, because I was like. Well, maybe like, because, you know, obviously like sense of humor is like completely subjective and maybe like it is really funny, really, really funny to people and I want to know why. Like, what was I missing? Um, and so like I found this this Reddit page of like someone pretty much asking the same question, although about after, I think it was after season four, um, they were really dismayed about the fact that it wasn't funny at all to them. This is the exact, you remember I told you that conversation I had with that person before yeah. we started watching, this is that exact scenario <laughs> they were talking about. Yeah. And so I was like going down the thread and, you know, there's some really great comments that, which really helped me in like understanding that, uh, I had these expectations that I just I needed to let go of, and um, yeah, I just wanted to like categorize it, and I really sh- I shouldn't be trying to do that because not all television needs to be categorized sure. as this, this, or this. And one of the quotes was in in reference to like you know how do you categorize it, and is it is it funny or whatever it might be. And this person whose username is Incident on Fifty Seventh Street says, "quote It doesn't matter. It's a broad show. It's naive to categorize it." However, it's way better to call it not funny when it's not trying to be funny than if it was trying to be funny and failing. Definitely. And that and that's totally true. The thing is like I was never like, oh, that's a joke and it's falling flat. I never felt like that. I was just like waiting for a joke that never really came, I guess. Yeah, right. Which, which is different. Yeah, so it's expectations again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. totally. Very, very interesting. Okay, cool. Um, so, we can try and go through this. One of two ways. I've got some discussion points, but I think they'll come up as we go along, basically. Mm-hmm. Should we try and go through the episodes maybe sure. this time around? All yep. right. Let's start with episode one then, titled Something is Wrong. Louis breaks up with his new love interest, gets his car destroyed by a construction crew, buys a new motorcycle, and winds up in the hospital. So, this is an interesting season opener. We're introduced to a character we've never met before. We ended last season from memory with Pamela flying away, Leaving, yeah. who was sort of Louis's. He pined for her, but they hadn't really had any romantic interactions at that point. They were just sort of best mates. Yeah, kind um, of that soulmate vibe. Yeah, exactly. And then we get introduced to this April character mm-hmm. who is, I don't know the actress's name, but did she play Adam's sister in Girls? Have you watched Girls? I can't remember. I feel like I've seen her in a few a different A million years playing. ago, but I think she did. Yeah. I mean, I remember her from films in like the 90s when she was playing, when she was a child actor. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and basically this scene is he's, Louis waiting in a diner and she walks in and then he's, he's not really yeah. talking. Ordered ice cream. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and then she starts prodding him because there's obviously something wrong mm-hmm. and essentially breaks up with herself for yep. him. That's my favorite scene in the entire series. Really? In the entire season. Yeah. Maybe even the series. I think it's so well written. Yeah. I was sitting there and being like, cause I was like, Oh yes! Like this is this is so good. This is so engaging. It is wonderful. Like it's funny. It's also insightful of character, and it's also kind of like tragic this, that this grown man just cannot seem to communicate at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a beautifully constructed scene, and yeah, wonderfully written. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it was very very cool. It's uh, I, I've I know people like that as well who. You really need to force things out of them. Yeah. But what what yeah. I think the bit that, that makes that scene so great as well is Louis' reaction when it's over. It's like he's just 
had to go through the hardest thing he's ever done. He didn't say a goddamn word. <laughs> he didn't do anything. He's just like, oh, thank God yeah. that's over. Yeah. I got that done finally. Um, a, a book ending that scene, of course, was him arriving, parking his car, and then trying to read the street sign. Mm. Um, it's such a good gag. Like, which, it's just a it's good a gag. It's a classic gag. Yeah. Like, we've all been there. But I like they put an extended version of that scene in the end credits as well. Yes. Which is really, <laughs> really good. Just talking about the green side, it's like, circle with the line Horizontal line. It. It's, it's like, like, like no diagonal. It's like, <laughs> it was red, sure, it'd be stopped. But even then, it's just an across. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very good. You know, no Parking only after midnight. Well, is it before or after yeah. midnight? It's, I guess it's, bef- <laughs> it's both. I mean, I just like, you know, that little hint of absurdity um, that we've kind of gotten used to as the series has progressed at the end of that scene when he comes out and his car is surrounded by, like, you know, construction workers and yeah. machinery. And he's at the end of it, he's just like, well, what are you guys doing? And the guy's like, I don't know. And they just destroy his car. It's, it's quite good. And at that point, I was like, oh, I think the budget in this season might be a little bit high because they just destroyed, destroyed a car. A car. <laughs> I was, I was just choice. like, I wonder how much that shell cost, whether it cost yeah. that much. Um, from there, he goes and buys a motorcycle, gets into a motor- an accident where he Well, no, even before he gets in the accident, the scene in which he's um, inquiring about the motorcycle yeah. and the guy who's selling it is going through all these horrific injuries, <laughs> these terrible things that, you know, like he's lucky to be alive and he walks with a limp permanently. Um, and then he then's like, oh, you know, and it's like a cheap to buy and it's cheap to run. And Louis like, yeah. oh, so it's smart to buy a motorcycle then. Just like perfectly like irresponsible. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ends up getting the motorbike. Mm-hmm. Nice little montage of him just driving all over New York and Brooklyn and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, ends up in an accident where he slides into the back of a truck, ends up in hospital and then needs to call his wife, Janet, mm. who we've never met before. It occurred to me. No. Um, and because he needs her to pick up the kids, pick up the girls, and turns out, and it feels weird to bring this up because it's like, oh, is this really important? But it's an interesting choice. Janet is black. She is, and the girls are not. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. What What's happening there? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I was spoiled to the fact that she was a black woman. Yeah. Just in doing research for previous seasons. Uh, well, Louis' um, ex-wife in real life is a black woman. Right. His children are biracial. Right. Um, and he's, I remember re- either reading or hearing an interview in uh, when I was researching previous seasons that he was just looking for the best actress. She was perfect for the role. He yeah. chose her. End of story, really. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, that's the thing. In my mind, that's what I kept thinking was like, this stuff has never mattered before. Mm. Like continuity in that aspect yeah. has never mattered. So it shouldn't matter here either. But because of some of the other things that Louis does, it I was like, okay, so is there is there something that he's trying to communicate here? Number one, if we go back to season one and we talked about this episode or this moment a lot where he was following that woman, mm, the checkout that woman chick, at home, and yeah. the big thing that she says at the end is that you just want to have sex with a black woman. Mm, yeah, that's... Is that recontextualized now that we know his wife is a black woman? Does that mean something different now or Maybe. does it not matter because they're so disconnected? I mean, the nature of the show tells me that um, it's so disconnected. I shouldn't think that, about yeah. it too much. Yeah. It, you can't go back and then try to put meaning in from like future episodes because I just don't think that's how the, the show functions. Well, I didn't think that way until this season because now, as we'll get to in a bit, there is a lot of elements from previous seasons that are continuing to show up again. 
So mm. there are things that have never in the past, we, apart from like the brothers showing up a couple of times, there's been very little like things or plot line or Pamela, I suppose, was the other option, was the other uh, instance where things from past episodes would reemerge. But that has been happening more and more in this season. So, mm. you know, I feel like with this show, you can like bring things forward, but you can't take like take something that happens in like season three and like force it onto something that happens in season two. Like okay, I don't sure. think it can function that way. Because like, I can think you can take a character from season one and put and it in season four the, and that's yeah. fine. Because the, the other thing was, the other thing that happened in season two that we sort of raised an eyebrow at was during the Halloween episode when I think is it Jane or one of the girls? I ca- yeah, I can't remember their names. Um, yeah. Was wearing it's Jane and black Lily. Face. Yeah, it was, face. she was blackface. Yeah, and it's like okay, that's interesting. Now their mother is black. <laughs> it's like it's not. Is that still blackface? It's like it's, it's re- yeah. Because I mean, technic I guess technically if they, they if are they are they're people black. of color. Yeah. 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 And so so I, I just, mean. <laughs> I take that information and it recontextualizes Yeah, if a person of colour who has lighter skin yeah. paints their face black, is it still offensive blackface? <laughs> and this is... That's thing. a really... Ooh. Yeah. So both I mean, because I would have no idea. I don't know. I My, my instinct is to say yes because it looks really bad. Sure. But then I don't know. Because it's like we have that problem where people get so... Uh, Can black people like reappropriate blackface to be somehow empowering? Is that at all possible? I've got no idea. I mean, if you can take a word yeah, like the N word and, and reappropriate yeah. it to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if Louis is even asking that question, but I feel like it could be asking that question, which I thought was really interesting. I am actively asking that question. I, and I if am a person of colour could answer that for me, or at least, well, they can't answer for all, pe- all people of colour, obviously, but if just give me their opinion. I'd be fascinated to okay, hear it. Okay, so the next question is, if a white actor with a show where he's white and is written white puts a white cast a white girl to wear blackface mm-hmm. but she's not really biracial in real life but or not really a person of color in real life but in the show she technically is does that also count even if it is possible to reappropriate blackface to be i mean i don't think so because whenever you cast a white person as a person of color um the internet will tell you to eat shit. Yeah, so true. I'm going to say no to that. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> Does anyone have a problem with that, though? I guess is the next question. Does anyone have a problem with with these actors? I'm sure there are people who have a problem with it, but I also think Louis has earned so much respect in the comedy world that even if you do have an opposition to that, you're probably really. It's kind of. I mean, you're kind of probably not going to be heard. Yeah. You know, like people are going to be like, well, it's Louis C.K. and he can kind of do whatever the fuck he wants. The end of this episode was basically Louis is home. He's trying to look after himself. And April, the girlfriend he's just broken up with, comes along um, to help him out. And he kind of asks her to stay. And then she. Oh, just gives an amazing speech. An amazing speech about his lack of just being able to say what the situation is to like stop them both from like very possibly entering into a relationship that could waste like years of their life. Just be like, just be emotionally responsible, Louis. And you can save yourself a lot of hurt. You can save me a lot of hurt. Just if you could just do this simple task, but he just doesn't have the capability to do it because he's so emotionally passive and irresponsible. 
So that was a wonderful way to end that episode. I, and loved, then, I love that episode. <laughs> and then the bit with the uh, the sign at the end over the end credits. Episode two called Telling Jokes slash Setup. Uh, telling Jokes, the first part, is really short. It's mainly just him um, having dinner with his girls and they're telling knock-knock jokes. He then mm. goes and does a bit at one of his comedy stand-up routines, which transition. Oh, and I think that's sort of it. He talks about how... His daughter tells jokes he's never heard before and yeah, how amazing that is a comedian. I he- think I've seen him do that bit. It might either in like a late show interview or something, but I had heard that joke before. I'd heard it before mm. and I'd heard it before because I'd seen this episode before. Oh, okay. I knew how it was going to end because then the next bit is the setup is about how he agrees to go to dinner with a comedy friend of his um, and finds out he's been set up on a date with this woman, ooh, Gloria, I think it is, or Gloria. I don't remember her name, yeah. Um. And I had, I knew exactly, as soon as I saw that character, I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Mm, right. It's all, it's really weird when you come across and go, why have I, why have I seen this? Yeah, weird deja vu, but How it's actually, have I seen you've this? seen it before, yeah. Uh, so that basically ends with, he is being forced into this, to meet this woman. They don't seem to have any chemistry initially. They decide to both leave this married couple's house because they hate being, you know, they're, they're basically being forced into this. They sort yeah. of connect over that. They go to a bar. Yeah, they it's like a- being watched in a zoo, you know what I mean? Like this married couple just kind of like waiting for you guys to really connect. It's, yeah, like the least romantic kind of environment you could possibly be in. Yep. They hear Louis and Glory or Gloria end up going to a bar. They have drinks. They're having laughs. They seem yeah, to go having along. a good old time. She's going to drive him back uh, to his car you would think, ends up going just around the corner and then she offers to give him a BJ. Suck his dick. Suck his dick. And this is definitely explicit, just double-checking iTunes. That's good. <laughs> um, the She proceeds to do so and then asks him to reciprocate by going down on her. Mm-hmm. And uh, he doesn't really want to. He No, it's an intimate thing and he doesn't feel comfortable doing that because he doesn't know her. I loved some of her lines here when she's like, upset that he won't do it. It's like, where are the gentlemen? <laughs> and then I just wrote wa- that down, where are the gentlemen? Yeah. And then just the last bit where she just, just under her breath, she just says, somewhere in there, Obama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought it was very funny. Um, but then makes a bet with him that he will, a thousand dollar bet in the end, that he will end up eating her out. And he says- I believe it was like tonguing her ass or something. And no, yeah. it'll be both. It'll be yeah. you're tonguing your asshole and uh, yeah. So, just going, <laughs> basically really getting <laughs> having up a in, in there. Yeah, yeah having yeah, a yeah. Yeah, two-piece feed. <laughs> he, um, he says, you're on. And then she proceeds to sort of try and convince him, but then ends up just- She's like negging him about yeah. his sexuality. Yeah, calling try, him a that's faggot right. and stuff. Yeah. That's right. And try, yeah, get under his skin by suggesting he's gay and then just smashes his head into the window and forces herself on Physically him. assaults Now, <laughs> that was rape, right? That we just, that was, he was raped? Is that what happened there? It certainly didn't seem like, yeah. Was that consensual? Um, he says he would hang out it, with her again. That's the thing. It, from the beginning, it seems like sexual assault. It really looks a lot and like it. Until the end in which he seems to have... Apparently enjoyed it because he wants to see her again. Yeah. So, my initial reaction is yes, it's sexual assault. Um, but then at the end, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I don't know. If, I don't think he feels as though he was sexually assaulted. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, what do we? But think- it, but it, I did have a interesting reaction because when he was like, "No, I'm I'm not going to eat you out," I was like. That 
piece of shit. <laughs> that is, I was like, and I was, at first I was honest, I'm like, that is really rude. Yeah. That is so rude that he wouldn't reciprocate. Um, but then like the more that he like, you know, spoke, he's like, you know, it's something really intimate to me and I don't feel comfortable with it. I was like, as much as I want to be like, oh, like, it's so rude that he's not going to do it. I was like, well, he has every right to say no. that he doesn't want to and that's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Miami. Louis goes to Miami, makes friends with a Cuban-American lifeguard and decides to extend the trip to hang out with him a little longer, leading to an awkward conversation. That really sums up what this episode is. Mm-hmm. It's There is like two characters yep. basically in this thing. He goes, he's doing stand-up in Miami. He... he uh, ends up uh, mistakenly being sat rescued by a lifeguard when he wasn't actually drowning. Mm-hmm. He ends up making a connection with him, hanging out with him. He really enjoys it. He just likes being around people and having uh, enjoying what Miami has to offer from this guy's Yeah, he doesn't feel lonely anymore in a strange city. Yeah. Right. He sticks around because he wants to and the guy thinks he's hitting on him and so they sort of have an awkward like, oh, let's not do this anymore and then he goes mm. home. I didn't laugh once, I don't think. I didn't think I even came close to laughing in this episode. I really didn't care. I thought it was quite sweet and sad and enjoyable. I, sweet and sad is a lot of what Louis is at some at times. Yeah, totally. Um, I, yeah, I can't remember if I laughed in this episode, which probably tells me that I didn't. Um, certainly nothing more than a, a light chuckle probably. Uh, yeah, I thought it was sweet that he made a friend and yeah. he wanted to keep hanging out with that friend but unfortunately because you know straight men are weird um, and also because louis just couldn't communicate again it was one of the situations it was like mm. the alice stuff from season one he just had an he just couldn't say he literally couldn't say the words is i'm not gay like they never came out of his mouth <laughs> he was alluding to it. He was yeah. trying to. Th- I think he was trying to be politically correct. Or, yeah, I don't he's know. like you know, like I've got nothing. There's nothing wrong with. I don't judge anyone. And yeah, just, yeah. It was just stuttering his way around it, so yeah. it just caused more confusion. And in the end, his inability to communicate because what he could have said, even when he decided to stay, was find him and say, "Hey, I'm sticking around for a little while. I've really enjoyed hanging out. Come, you know, show me a little bit more of Miami." And like start a conversation there. Instead, the guy was like, "Oh." You suck around. Do you want to tell me why? And like had to have that awkward conversation that way. Mm. Yes. He, I mean, he could have said that. But I think even then, like as soon as the guy sees him on the beach, he kind of has like a weird vibe of like, oh, you're sticking around. Mm. Um, and I think, I think it's just like an exaggerated version of it's incredibly hard for two straight men to like – one, make new friends and two, like, have, like, intimate relationships with each other. Yeah. That's what I, like, assumed what it was kind of getting at, which I thought was kind of sweet and sad, as you said. Sure. Is it hard for – do you find it hard to, like, have, like, intimate relationships with other men? Um, How intimate do you think that relationship was? That as they- in, like, really, like, connecting and feeling, like, like welcomed and accepted and, yeah – Mm, I might be lucky. I don't. I don't feel like I have that problem necessarily. Yeah. Um. I think maybe I think it's generational. I think what's what's interesting is guys can be surprisingly intimate. Just do it in really they. It's so it's often hidden behind bravado and mm. like it's hidden behind. They're like code words for what you can use, right? So it's like. Like I have a group of friends who I almost speak a completely different dialect with because they're very broy. They're from university, mm. and it's really like it, things get 
often behind it's like oh i love you brah or stuff like that it's almost ironic yeah. um and it's, it, i think it's the thing is the intimacy is there we've had all, all sorts of intimate and deep conversations right, stuff you like can that and actually talk about some really definitely issues together, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely um but sometimes he doesn't get hidden behind code words mm. um yeah i don't think that, that i mean their friendships have had for 10 years though some of them but i don't know i might be lucky i might be lucky i'm one of those people yeah. who i've I'm lucky to say I've got a lot of friends and a lot of close friends. Um, mm. So, I haven't had that problem. But it wouldn't surprise me if other people did. Yeah. Um, I definitely think there are, there are definitely groups of people and they're not people I hang out with because I don't like them who, if their masculinity is at any stage being questioned, then it then it's a big no-no. Yeah. And they, they shut down and whatever. They walk away yeah. from it or get aggressive towards it and that's the end of the story. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, it's like... It's like, oh man, I've had people who have either assumed I'm gay or have called me gay because they think it's a slur. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I really don't care yeah. that you think that. That doesn't yeah. make me feel awkward or uncomfortable yeah, at all. I mean, but I've... I am I'm also probably I think I'm I'm probably unfortunately, sadly, uh ab- not abnormal is not the word, but I'm not typic a typical Australian male in that sense. Mm. Especially from the country and places yeah. like that. I mean, I've had because I'm friends with a lot of gay men. And, you know, quite a few of them are like, ooh, is Broad gay? I'm like, no, he's not. They're like, oh, are you sure? I think he might be gay. I'm like, trust me, if Broad was gay, he would just straight up be gay. He's got, yeah. no, he's got no problem with, you know, gay people or queerness or anything like that. But, yeah, no, you're certainly not a typical um, Aussie man. Um, the ending of this episode as well, um, they, so we've talked in the past about the credit sequences and how they can sometimes be extra scenes they have added on mm, or yeah. whatever, outtakes. In this case, it was showing them recording in the ocean. Um, right. I was just like, oh, I didn't need to be there at all. No, yeah. I I felt that happen a couple of times yeah. this season. I was like, I, yeah, I mean, I guess that's something to have in the background as the credits roll, but it's not really doing anything for me. Especially it's interesting. We haven't really got to that stage yet where we're really talking about the continuity, but as they build up a continuity and sort of start to build a world a little bit around Louis, it sucks that they keep pulling us out and reminding us, oh, this is a television show. This isn't, you know, any sort of reality. Episode four. But maybe that's like the purpose. To, to do that? Yeah, I think so. Then I, That seems counterintuitive when you're trying to like create an ongoing serialized narrative or I mm, I really I don't think that's their end goal or their biggest goal to be creating an ongoing narrative. It might not be their end goal, but that's what the sh- well, that's what the show is morphing into whether they like it or not, I think. Um I don't want to give you spoilers for season four here. but I've Well, that's the thing. When I'm just talking about this season, I don't know if I agree with that opinion. No, I, I felt this way before I looked this up. But okay. I was looking at, I did look ahead today after yeah. I'd finished watching the season. Did you look at the episode? Numbers and names. Uh, no, yes, so did I. <laughs> and there was like one storyline that has five episodes. Yeah, I know. Because I was like, I really enjoy, um, I'm skipping ahead a bit here, the like the three late night episodes i really i really well. enjoyed that right and then i was looking at the names of future episodes and a similar thing and i was like oh yes more of this so coming. i am actually super excited for season four yeah because even though people are like oh it's not funny blah, blah, blah. i'm like i don't care about the funny anymore like i've completely like That's that is thing. off I'm my shoulders 100%. i no longer care about that but i yeah i'm looking forward to um yeah the continuity and that kind of thing that's exactly how i feel i'm I, the funny is a side part to it when it's funny it's funny great but it's not necessarily why i'm here anymore Mm. yeah i when i was listening to a podcast um 
with it was Mark Maron's podcast actually when Mark Maron's uh, a guest in this season. Yep. Um, and yeah, he and Louis were talking about it and they were talking about the show. I think maybe the interview took place not long after season one had completed maybe. Okay. Um, and yeah, Mark was just talking to Louis obviously about it and Mark Maron says like, I don't think people realise that this show isn't really about you as a comedian. It's actually just you as a filmmaker mm-hmm. and you're just like, yeah, kind of experimenting and doing what you want as a filmmaker and like completely removing really the comedian from that. And I was like, ah, yeah, no, that's true. And I think that's kind of uh, the road we're going down. And we're seeing that more and more. It's like, it's not, it's not about jokes really. Well, when the show started and every episode had him doing stand-up in it. Yeah. It kind of was that. I mean, there were jokes in it, yes, but that's not what the show was about. It was about him um, exploring his filmmaking, I think, truly. It, it had... Well, that's definitely true this season. There is a lot of times where he starts to break from the format that he created in season one. And for whatever reason that was, it might be that he had strict sort of guidelines as to what the show was meant to be in season one. And you do that when you're making a network television show, of course. Mm. Season one had a structure of start with him in a comedy cellar. It, mm. Whatever that that theme is, branches off into a little vignette. Mm-hmm. Then there's a middle sequence of him in a stand-up comic, which transitions into another vignette, which finishes him with, uh, in the comedy yeah. cellar again. And it's like, that was the structure. It was based like, well, it wasn't well, yeah, necessarily I mean, the about show comedy. was about a comedian and you have that classic scene that we like see in like a show like Seinfeld or whatever like comedian standing in front of a brick wall that begins the short film and the short film is the chunk of the show that is the the, show it's the majority of it but and so so often though it was about being a comedian or about comedians or about comedy you think about that episode episode two I think it was of season one where he's sitting around the poker table and they're talking about like the use of words like, mm. like um, I can't remember what the word is. It's, it might be faggot. I think it is. Yeah, it is. About in, faggot, yeah. Um, and as uh, using in comedy and where that's appropriate and what that means. And they were literally talking about like comedy there mm. in a sense. I think the show is morphed more into uh, yeah. one about. No, I think like that that clear vision. Oh, that vision has become clearer. As yeah. the season has progressed. Tot- I completely agree with you there. Um, but Louis' intention um, is that it wasn't about his necessarily his comedy writing yep. or it wasn't a comedy show. It was a way for him to explore fi- his filmmaking and wanting to do that. Cool. Um, episode four, Daddy's Girlfriend, part one. Ooh. Uh, this is the first part of a two-parter, which is a first for the show. We've never had that. We had that extended episode last season about going to Afghanistan. But we've never had mm-hmm. any semblance of a story that's meant to transition from one episode one week to another one. That's just so totally strange. Um, I think I'd actually seen this one too. Uh, oh, really? Weirdly. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how I'd seen these couple of episodes. But uh, how does this one start? After Louis' kids put pressure on him to find a girlfriend, he finds a potential prospect at the local bookstore. So, this starts in a couple of... Before we get there, he goes on a date with Maria Bamford. Who Maria Bamford, who is probably, I think, my favourite comedian. I love Maria Bamford. She has a show, Lady Dynamite, is it? Yes. I haven't seen that yet. I've but seen I know it at least... Would- 
adore Four it. times. This you did a you did a Orange is the New Black I did. on it. Really yeah, I love it. I think it's amazing. Awesome. Um, is there a, when's the second season of that? I have no idea. Coming out soon. I saw it listed when I was doing some research like, on it. Yeah, so it's yeah. on its way, I believe. Well, I always like I mean, I'm happy to be surprised for the second season because I had no idea Lady Dynamite was being made, that it was coming out, and then one day I was just on Netflix and this thing appeared with Marie Bamford's face on it. And it was just like it's a beautiful surprise. I loved it. Um, the thing I was looking through her IMDB trying to figure out what I know her best from it ended up being she does a voice in Cora. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> she, she plays Pema, um, Tenzin's wife. That's, oh, that's right, Marie okay. There you go. Really? Um, I, like, I'd seen her in a million different things. Yeah. But I was like the one that st- I was like, oh my god, she played that right. character. That's the that one that like got you most excited. It's the one that made my fanboy square. Yeah. Right. Um, then he ends up. Uh, there's a lot of good scenes in this episode I found after that sort of he tries to ask her over for dinner to spend time with the kids and she's like obviously not interested in that at all he starts sort of just seeing every woman in his life as being a potential partner mm-hmm. and like fantasizing about them yeah um, the ones at the school are really funny I really <laughs> like that. but then he eventually yeah. finds this woman in the bookstore uh, Liz we end up finding her name is later mm-hmm um, played by Parker Posey. Yes. What a great Who, fucking name that yeah. is. Parker Posey. I, I adore. Yeah, she's, uh, she's amazing. She is amazing. And There's apparently something about just her. does not age, which no. is incredible. <laughs> yeah. What What else have you known her from? Well, when I was younger, I grew up um, just re-watching, like as a teenager, Josie and the Pussycats. She's in that movie. Really? Yeah, I love her. She's very good in that. And then, like, all those, like, you know, best in shows and that kind of thing. Yes, She's in yeah, those, that's where yeah. I know her from mostly, yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you make of this episode? All right, so just talking about number one. Number one first. Really, really liked it. Yeah. Um, one, it was great to see Marie Bamford and actually see her perform her uh, real stand-up in the show. That was her stuff. Um, I actually have that comedy album that oh, she's cool. doing her work from. I listen to it. All the time. Um, and I I really enjoyed seeing Louis do something that we so often see female characters do in sitcoms. Things like uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and like the Mindy Project and that kind of thing. In which like women are so like crazy and desperate to like find someone that like they just constantly choose the wrong guy right. um, and are just blind to it because of their desperation and that's their that's their biggest issue is that they they, they want it too much um, and he's doing the same thing with Maria Bamford he is just you know he's refusing to see the very clear signs that she's not the person to yeah. connect with um, and I, I really enjoyed that role reverse because generally when you see like guys going out there and dating they're being like duped by yep. crazy women and it's too late and then they realise that these women are crazy but they're fine. Um, like the men are fine. Yeah. Um, so I, I I like that reversal. Sure. And it was really nice to see Parker Posey. Did I get that the right way around? Parker, uh, Posey? Parker Posey, yeah. yeah. Um, I I think she's... I really enjoy watching her. She, those those <laughs> like crazy manic eyes and they had amazing chemistry. Well, that's the, I think the that's the thing. Them. It's hard to like is uh, there's not a lot to her yet except that I can see why someone would be attracted yeah, to her. Yeah, she is so charming and yeah. warm and like funny. And yeah, that she's was great. just enjoyable. Yeah, and, and like, like when he finally got around to like stumbling into like asking her out, which is a fabulous way to ask someone out. I, I was very <laughs> good. Um I was I was genuinely excited i was like oh i can't wait until because obviously i knew the episode was number one so i was like oh yeah. i can't wait to see what happens next 
you know, what, did, what were your thoughts on this episode? Uh, very, very similar. The stuff with Maria Bamford I just enjoyed because it was funny. Um, the role reversal thing like that didn't necessarily strike me, but the idea that it's always interesting, yeah, to he's the one who's like a family man, he's got pressure on his kids to find a girlfriend, mm. and she's obviously not just, she is totally happy, like yeah. just being. Uh, single yeah, I was just I was trying and- to think of like another show in which a guy had been like desperate to find someone. Yeah. And I, I couldn't really think of any that I had seen. That's sure. For sure. If I had to think about it, maybe I could think of one, but I agree with you. It's a rarity for sure. Yeah. Um, and the stuff with uh, Parker Posey is just, yeah, it was just... She's, just, she's just adorable. Yeah, it was just charming. Just really charming. Yeah. And I just enjoyed what they did on screen was really good, which is not very insightful commentary. I'm sorry, but that's just the, <laughs> that's just the way it was. Yeah. Um, this leads into go- uh, Daddy's Girlfriend Part 2. Louis goes out on an adventurous first date with the woman he met at the bookstore. Um, so, cinematically, I noticed things, some really interesting choices in this episode. Mm, um, I didn't. R- right. <laughs> things like pans and dollies and cranes and really deliberate um, cinematic choices being made here. Was that trying to add to the whimsy of the date, do to you think? Possibly in some ways. Mm-hmm. Just make it more magical. It was meant mm-hmm. to be this sort of like manic pixie dream girl type Ugh, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, type of thing. Yeah, going exactly on. where I didn't want that to go after I was so happy with the role reversal I'd seen that sure. in the previous episode. And I think that's there's definitely a discussion to be had there about that. But I mm-hmm. guess well, I just thought it was interesting to see Louis is a filmmaker, um, yeah, stretch his sort of cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, stretch those muscles a little bit. Yeah, and and I think that actually follows through through a lot of the rest of the season. I mm-hmm. found there were some beautiful choices being made um, cinematically, um, some some more bold than others. Um, but yeah, it was. This was the episode where I started to really notice it. I already thought this episode looked sharper and just cleaner and a little more beautiful. It was a little better lit at times as well, softer. Mm-hmm. Lot the first. Remember we talking about the first scene in the cafe with Alice when she's he's breaking up with her but mm-hmm. not saying anything. I was like, this is beautifully naturally lit, and sometimes mm-hmm. it can just feel like they've turned on a couple of key lights and just went go, which is yeah. what you do when you've got no money. Yeah. Um. But I thought, oh, there's a bit more money here and a bit more mm-hmm. going on. I enjoyed that. $30 for one pill. Fuck, that's bullshit. Just another example of... <laughs> we fucking... keep coming into this in so many of our shows is how messed up the American healthcare system is. Because it's just true. Yeah. Um, I, this is also the moment where I started to feel like the show wasn't trying to be funny anymore. Like really just assertively went, it doesn't need... It's not even trying for that anymore. It's just... It's wearing its heart on its sleeve a little bit. It might not always... It sounds like you didn't really like what they did with the character of Liz in the end. She's a little not bit... Not really. Talk about that. I, I just didn't find it particularly interesting. I felt like it had something. It'd been something I'd seen before. I mean, it's it's a trope for goodness' sake. Like, of course, I've seen it before. Um, I mean, it it could have been a commentary on that. I'm not sure exactly what that commentary would be, since it was exactly the trope. Um, it, it, it wasn't a commentary yeah, that, on that that's at all. What I there mean. was nothing like, about to subvert it at <laughs> if all. If people are going to write in and say, like, oh, it's commenting on it, please tell me what it's commenting on. Like, what is the statement? Um, yeah, no, it just, I found it disappointing because I got really excited by what had happened in the previous episode. Uh, For it to end up like that, I was like, ah, oh, felt like a bit of a cop-out. 
Yeah. It was its first chance to try and do something over two episodes, but it also didn't want to commit beyond that. It didn't feel like. It's mm. like they just sort of, the way this all it wraps up is a nice convenient place to say, well, if they never if he never sees her again, we'll understand why. Because it was mm. such a weird night or whatever. Um, yeah, because once again, I'm skipping ahead, but later on, I think it's in the episode with Chloe's, I'm sorry, Sevigny? Sevigny? Not sure. Yeah, anyway. Um, when he's trying to like hunt, he's searching for Liz or whatever it's called. Looking for her, yeah. Looking for Liz. And he's like, oh, you know, I had this one date with her and she like changed the way I saw everything. And I was just like, did she? Yeah. Did she – was that something that happened? Because I have missed that in the episodes in between. Yeah. Like the last time we saw Liz. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. I think I agree with you that it um, it was cute in a really predictable Manic Pixie Dream Curl kind of way. It didn't do really anything to make this character meaningful or long-lasting. I can see how she may, might leave an impression on him, but I agree with you. It didn't doesn't seem to substantiate. Into yeah, anything. I think if we had had, yeah, this episode in which he's she is so much of that trope, and then it actually ends with how like how we see Liz the last time in which she like dramatically dies. Well, if that's that was the thing, if right? that was at the end, that actually would have made me laugh because it's right. such like the extreme of that trope sure. that it would have been like yeah satirical. Um, but that being said, because it didn't go for satirical, I have, and it wasn't trying to be funny as far as Mm -hmm. I can tell, I, as, mm, while it might not have been super successful at it, I at least have, it was the moment I registered that the show is like, it's just, it really didn't want to be funny here. And that's an interesting turn for the show. I could, I could feel things were changing a little bit. Speaking of next episode, episode six. Barney slash never. Louis has lunch and goes to a strip club with a man he meets at a friend's gravesite and babysits for a friend's socially awkward son. Let's start with the first part. Let's start with how this episode starts. There is no conventional opening. Yes, we don't see Louis walking to the comedy club. That becomes much, much rarer basically from here on out. Yes, it does. Which was interesting. He's just not doing Mm -hmm. that anymore. Mm. And we talked about the potential. I think you knew when we were talking about season one that that they stopped doing like the comedy club bits and those sorts of things. Did I know that? I think I think you mentioned that at some oh, stage. Okay. I must have forgotten it in the interim. <laughs> but um, this is obviously when that started to happen right. because it just doesn't, it's not really as much a part of the show anymore. Um, and this is a great example. It starts on black and white with completely different music and titles and holy fucking shit, Robin Williams is in this episode yeah. and I was not prepared for that. <laughs> It was. Um, it was like seeing a fucking ghost. Yeah, it was particularly seeing him stand in a graveyard, looking at Louis across an open grave. Yeah, I was just like, "Fuck, <laughs> fuck this! I'm not ready for this." Yeah, it was so surreal, and I only think like this is this is very lit. This has got really not commentary on the show at mm. all. It was just that I realized I haven't watched anything of Robin Williams since his death that I haven't already seen, if that makes sense. So I I think I'd rewatched Hook and Aladdin and things like that at some stage. I in the haven't interim. watched a single thing. I haven't been able to. Right. I've done those mainly because I knew them. Mm, and yeah. so to see him just appear in something and do something I've never seen him do before mm. hit me real hard. Like yeah. surprisingly hard. I don't think I quite realized how much I missed him. Yeah. Um until that moment. That was really strange. 
Yeah. They're all being black and white and like talking about death and stuff like that and how they remember this guy being a complete dick and then ends with him saying um, something like... W- Promise me you'll go to my funeral. Like whoever dies oh, first, whoever we'll, dies go first. To, we'll go to the funeral, yeah. <sighs> yeah, that hit me hard. That was... Whoever yeah, dies first. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, it's really hard to <laughs> talk about um, Robin Williams because because of the way he died. Yeah. That there's so much more emotion around it. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's hard to see him do something unfamiliar because it's not just like, um, you know, going through the connections in my brain that already ex- exist and it's making new connections. And it just makes me think of all the things that like I – maybe could have seen him in um but will never happen because he's yeah. no longer here. It's yeah. Think about that with Heath Ledger. That yeah. gets me when I think about all the stuff we missed out with him. Yeah. Um that this was aired But it's nice to see him. I it, will say it was it, very nice to see him. It was. Um this was aired almost exactly two months before his death as well. Oh, oh sorry sorry two years. I'm about two to say, whoa, I didn't realise <laughs> it happened so long ago. Two yeah. years. Two years before his death, almost to the it was to the same month. I think they were both in August. Um yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That just was interesting. I was trying to figure out where this is placed. It just seemed like it couldn't have been too far away from the whole thing. Um but that that episode was about them. So there were two people who'd never met before, Louis and um this guy. They both known this guy Barney. He was a complete asshole on the comedy scene. Mm. They knew he always asked to go, asked them to go to this strip club. They go mm-hmm. there, and then they inform the employees at the strip club that Barney's died, and everyone is super, super upset by yeah. this. That was remarkably funny for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> like it, it is shouldn't be. such a good gag. It really it is, is such a solid joke. Yeah. Um, the whole like running up to it, like how much of an asshole he was, and they both knew no one would go to his funeral because no one liked him. And then, oh, let's go to this sad, pathetic place that, like, you know, it's the only place that he ever went or he ever talked about. They go there and like they realize, even though it's like this grimy, disgusting strip club, yeah, everyone loves this guy. That's his home. That's his family, and it's hilarious. Like it's it felt like a traditional joke. Yeah. Um and it, yeah, it was told wonderfully. Yeah, it was it was good. It so was I, very good. I really enjoyed solid that. joke, solid joke. Yeah. Uh, the second half of this is uh, Louis agrees to look after another one of the another. I think one of Jane or no, sorry, Lily's um, classmates because the mother needs to go and have her vagina removed. Um, yes. Oh. That's not funny. <laughs> it's, it was so it, Yeah, it's so stupid. It's just like, I just feel like it would be, that joke would be funnier if it was like really descriptive of like, yeah, I'm having like my left fallopian tube cut down two inches. Like something like really specific guess, as opposed to like something was, broad and stupid. It's trying know, to be I'd, shocking in a way. But I it think. wasn't shocking. No. Like it was just like, well, that's not a thing. Yeah. So, like, what does that even mean? I mean, like, that's nothing. Um, but I, I, what I loved was the bit where she's like, thank you, by the way, I don't say no to him and he can't eat anything with and carbon. And then runs away. Yeah, just runs away. <laughs> like, she knows that's a, a deal breaker. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I hated this. I didn't like it much either. I didn't find the joke particularly interesting. No. Never was extremely one note. He was unpredictable, but there's a predictability to his unpredictableness. Yeah. Like he poops in the bath and he throws a rug out the window. It's like that's 
that's not funny because there's nothing there's nothing behind it. Mm. Um, I more enjoyed the radio interview where he oh my God, he gets yeah. caught on the phone. Just that just seemed predict like perfectly awful. Mm. That whole thing. It, yeah, it always just reminds me of um. On Parks and Rec, it was like Myra and the douche. And the douche. Yeah, and the douche. Um, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I, I like the fact that um, his daughter just refuses to engage. Lily just and walks it, in the door and, and then slams her like, bar- bed this is, You made your own bed line. I like yeah. that, but I'll, it was it was nothing. It was so subpar compared to everything else. I was just like, meh, bum, bum. Sorry. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It just didn't have anything it wasn't funny enough to be funny and it wasn't meaningful enough to be meaningful it just was and i yeah i agree with you um i i mean you could have made a good comment in there somewhere about like awful parenting but they don't go far enough to do that and also i feel like that's been done to death yeah about like the kid who like their parent says no or doesn't say no to them and they're just you know little shitheads yeah Ikea slash piano lesson. This is episode seven. Louis takes an awkward shopping trip with a female acquaintance. Louis gets some disgusting news from a different woman during a piano lesson. Sorry, disturbing. Louis gets some disturbing news from a different woman during a piano lesson, though it was disgusting in the end. Uh, And Louis tries to make amends with an old friend. So the first part of this is a sequel, essentially, to an episode from season one or season two? I think it was season two. Can't remember which one it was, but uh, Dolores or Polly from... uh, of. Famous Porry, uh, <laughs> Porry uh, from Orange is the New the Black. The ship to sink all ships. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, returns, mm-hmm. and they- the first of uh, there's another Orange is the New Black cameo later yes, on. Yes, there the is season. one episode thirteen yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, but she is back, the same character, and she asks Louis to help him out. Um, with she needs to go to Ikea. Mm. I love this recurring thing she does in which she works through whatever marriage problem she has with Louis. For I have for no real apparent reason why it has to be him, but she goes through all like the uh the natural cycles of a relationship with Louis. Does she doesn't have a partner, does she? She's single. No, she's divorced. So she's got these married yeah. She's got all these this all this shit inside about whatever happened in her marriage and for whatever reason, she's decided to uh, work through that with Louis. Um, but she'll give Or him, relive that with but Louis. But she'll, she'll give him better. a blowjob for it. So, you know. Because <laughs> she, she doesn't want charity. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I really I really liked the bits in Ikea. Every Ikea really is the same, isn't it? Like I looked at yeah. that and was like, that's the one in Richmond. Yeah. That's the one on the right. <laughs> yeah. May as well be. Yeah. Um, the what I was thinking when I was watching this though is that, okay, so why am I laughing at this so much and enjoying this when I criticized in season one they went back to the Ricky Gervais thing um, with the doctor and went back to it the third time I was annoyed by it. And my argument, I think my argument is that I think they that when they went back to Ricky Gervais, it didn't I didn't learn anything new about Louis or Ricky Gervais. But in this one, I feel like Louis is approaching the situation differently to the way he did the first time. He's approaching it with the knowledge of what happened when he went to her house in season one or two. And also, we found out more about her, that she's at So, in therapy. what way is his approach different? He is more aware of, of what's going on. He like He's like, oh, you go to therapy. Oh, that makes sense and stuff like that. So, like he, he is acknowledging at that stage because beforehand... But does he act differently in any way? Um, he says he uh, yeah. At the end, he doesn't want the blowjob. Like he, 
he what he he is he is helping inverted commas her willingly now. Mm. This isn't him trying to get something. He understands that she is sick and that he is Yeah, I mean, I feel like in many of these episodes in which Louis is with a you know, in quotation marks crazy woman that he sure. is just so passive that I'm not really seeing much decision making going on because, at all. Because yeah, okay, he could have easily made that dec- I don't know, I think he's uh, if Sure. He might be aware, but I don't think he's necessarily... Other than saying no to the blowjob, just because he, like, is not turned on at all by the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't see him um, acting any differently than he would have in the previous episode. The only thing is, like, the true, like, true extent of her, like, fucked upness yeah. was, like, during when they were having sex, when she started crying about daddy. Like, that sure. was, like, that was too much for him. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, obviously, like... It's done there. I don't know. Maybe it's just I find the joke funnier than what Ricky Gervais was doing. I just f- the bit where she starts arguing with him in IKEA because he's not helping with the rug. Yeah, I mean, I, I just c- really liked that. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, no, I agree. I I liked it, but I, yeah, I also liked the Ricky Gervais stuff. But I, I get what you mean, and yeah, they are just two very different characters. So I can see how like the Ricky Gervais thing can seem it's maybe a little grating. Lot. Yeah. I mean, this is one. And also, too. we've it's seen Ricky Gervais do that kind of thing that, before, I think that might be my and that's probably it's the like issue. I've seen him do it so many times. Yeah, it's like just that's Ricky kind Gervais of who Ricky, Ricky Gervais. Gervais is. Is yeah. that he? Like, I mean, we see that with Carl Pilkington, just like prodding yes. and laughing and like bouncing on top of him and like yeah, choking him and stuff. And maybe like that's, that's why I didn't find it funny when it just kept reoccurring. It's like, but we I've seen this a trillion times, yeah. specifically from this person. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't mind seeing this joke. A follow-up to this joke. I thought it was all right. Um, It sounds like you were okay with it too. It was funny enough, but... Yeah, I was fine with it, yeah. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, uh, the disturbing news that uh, that Louis gets while he's trying to have his... Actually, did you just notice that awesome shot that they were doing the piano lesson bit with? It was just one shot. It was locked off. The focus was locked off to them sitting at the piano. Mm. Most of the scene at the beginning when they're walking in is out of focus in the background. Right. It was really awesome. It was I really, think I did it was a, that. No. It was just a great choice that right. it didn't need anything more than that. Mm-hmm. You could just sort of have this little window that you were looking through mm. um, and it worked perfectly fine for what was going on. I just thought it was, and I thought it was a really well-acted scene. The woman as the teacher and stuff yeah, was really it was. convincing. Yeah, it was. really well done. Um, they're her like, oh, no, don't have to no, pay. No, no, it's fine. Don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah. The whole thing was totally like real <laughs> like to that me. would have happened, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but he gets a phone call from Maria Bamford's character that 
Uh, one of them gave each other crabs. I don't even think it's yeah, like Maria Bamford's character. Maria Bamford, as Maria sorry, Bamford. Maria <laughs> yeah. Bamford. You're right. It's a character called Maria Bamford, based on Maria Bamford. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm assuming Maria Bamford, Bamford. Do- doesn't actually have crabs, but who knows? <laughs> See, there was some acting involved. <laughs> um, he has crabs. He needs to go and get some special shampoo for it. Uh, he goes to do that. Goes to a pharmacist. There's a. F- or a chemist? Do they call them chemists? Chemists. We call them chemists here sometimes too. Oh, that's true. No, what do they call them? Drugstore or something. Drugstore. That's yeah. what they call them. Goes to a drugstore. There's a conversation between a woman who's really irritatingly wants to talk to the pharmacist. The pharmacist embarrasses the fuck out of her. I loved, <laughs> I loved that. It's that like, that's how you treat a bullshit funny. patient. Yeah. Um, he says as a chiropractor. <laughs> a healthcare professional. <laughs> uh, awful, awful. Um that just sort of happens and then he gets home and he's watching because this is the episode with Sarah Silverman, yes? Yes, yeah, it, is. it is, yeah. And he's watching television and he uh, – it's an 80s thing. Yeah, you he see sees old comedy specials, yeah. Very young version of himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think of that? Uh, I mean, I'd seen that footage before. I mean, I've seen footage of him when he's quite young, when he used to work on um, Conan O'Brien's show and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but he – I mean, it's little Louis. Oh my and, god! And his comedy, his comedy like is actually really different. Is it's it? very, very different. Yeah. Whereas Sarah Silverman's vaguely, you know, it's quite similar. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely grown um, As and gotten says, better. She was really playing that whole dumb. Yeah. And like, <laughs> said, oh, I said that thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but similar. But whereas, yeah, Louis is quite, quite different. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it's it's cool to see him as a, a young whippersnapper. Yeah. It what was. did you think about it? I I hadn't seen any of his stuff before. Mm. I I've only known him as Louis since Louis, basically mm. since the TV show. Yeah. And then I started to know who Louis C.K. was from that because he was in every he, he was everywhere after mm. that. Um, and I I knew of Sarah Silverman stuff. Um, so that wasn't too shocking, but it was cool to see Sarah Silverman in the show. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm a big fan of Sarah Silverman. I love I loved her show, Sarah Silverman. Yeah program i i own her book i've read it a million times love that as well and i've always loved her stand up yeah cool and then that just transitions into a moment where louis remembers that he was having a fight with someone 10 years ago that he was actually totally wrong about yeah it was his fault and who was who's that comedian mark maron that's the guy's podcast it's a very famous podcast what do i know about mark maron i'm familiar he's familiar to me i know his face is it just from stand-up mainly or i would no i think it's from the podcast that you would know him from i've never heard the podcast as far as i'm aware it's called the mark maron podcast it's uh like what the fuck with mark mark maron don't think i've heard it you may not have heard it, but I'm assuming you've seen him interviewed and stuff in relation to that podcast. Everyone in this entire fucking universe has been on that podcast. Really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Um, and I think it was uh, like one of on Slate, one of their lists or whatever, um, about like the best podcasts. Number one was his like interview with uh, Louis C.K. Oh, really? Like his his podcast is very interesting. It's very very good. Is any of this? History- and he's like obviously well known as a comedian, but I think he's really found like his place in pop culture through the podcast. Right. Yeah. Is this in the storyline in this episode is that they've had a falling out for 10 years. Is that in any way rooted in reality that we're aware of? Uh, well, I was listening to, because I think Louis C.K. has been on a couple of the podcasts. One was like the 700th episode and I started listening to that, but that was like um, ones like Horace and Pete had come out. Right, yeah. Um, and then I listened to an all, the entirety of another one, which I think was the first one he was on. And I was hoping to listen out for um, a conflict between them. Yeah. They didn't speak on that at all. They, they've they had like, 
a somewhat tumultuous relationship, just being two young comics coming up at the same time, resenting each other at one stage or another about like, you know, personal successes. But they've always been really good friends, yeah. I mean, there might be something in there that I just am unaware of though. Yeah. Uh, episode eight. Is there anything more you want to say about that episode in particular? No. Okay, cool. Episode eight, simply titled Dad. Again, no traditional opening in this episode. Um, the opening, though, I have just written, that's fucking hilarious opener, and I can't remember for the life of me what it was. Oh, yes, I do. It was um, Lily. No, Lily, Jane. Oh, yes. Playing the violin. That's the only note I have on here is, is her quote. Which was? Um, yeah, she's playing the violin beautifully. Like yeah. it's actually stunning to watch this little girl play such a like a a melancholic song. It's it's fantastic. And Louis yells at her. It's like it's now is not the time for that. <laughs> now is not the time for that. You have to like it's homework time. And he like takes the violin and she's like, But it's beautiful. <laughs> like it's true, it is stunning. But as a parent, you don't have time for that. It's homework time. I cannot take like heed or take notice of like the beauty in front of me I thought i'm doing like a mountain of washing here yeah. just stop playing the fucking violin <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very good i loved that i thought that was yeah, like was, one of the best bits the show's ever done it was just yeah. so spot on <laughs> it's very good transitions into a poker game oh it's the poker game crew another from, poker game from like episode two or whatever it was except sarah silverman's in it this sarah time. silverman's this here this time they're having very similar type of conversations to what they were having the last one and then louis throws up on himself Vomits. yeah yeah which transitions into him being sick. He goes to see a doctor to find out what's going on. Not Ricky Gervais. I was expecting that to be Ricky Gervais. Mm. I was like, why isn't he? I think his schedule might have uh, filled up a bit. Possibly. Um, finds out that he's holding on to some sort of uh, unresolved issues, stress involving his dad. Uh, oh, there was a scene where he met up with his uncle. His uncle X. Uncle X. I, can't I didn't. The full name. I didn't get much. I'm gonna be straight up honest. This is my least favorite episode of the season. I just didn't <laughs> get much out of it. No, I agree. It just wasn't really doing anything. Louis yeah, being told the, by people to see his dad. Bit, no, that first bit was fantastic. No a- opinion about this other than meh. He, I didn't find the scene with the uncle funny. Nope. I didn't find it interesting. Scene with mm. yeah. And he, then when he's like going to see his dad and like you know he's hearing all these like things talk to him like seen that before um like, like the, the GPS, gps and stuff just, um, yeah. and then he gets to the door and he runs away and he like rides off on a motorcycle and then he gets on like a, a speedboat that's the word yep. uh, the speedboat and then he just sits in the ocean i'm like okay what was this that, that, that was the <laughs> what was this yeah, yeah it wasn't anything it wasn't anything no. as far as i could tell uh but just on the motorcycle thing um it, i forgot to say in episode two he in episode one he of this season he buys a motorcycle in episode two he's still riding the motorcycle yeah and I was like oh wow I like that's continuity. in my notes I was like oh he still has a motorcycle continuity yeah. isn't this show is. change mm. yeah I just got I just got nothing out of this episode though mm-hmm. there just wasn't there's the little bit that was kind of cute where he almost has the accident the guy behind him like starts honking the horn they get out to start like road raging and then he's like bleeding from his nose mm. and he's like yeah they like hug at the end and so like, yeah but it wasn't enough to make this episode mean anything to me yeah no. just missed all the uh whatever i was aiming for episode nine looking for liz slash lily changes louis learns that liz no longer works at the bookstore and her replacement employee helps louis to try to find her louis calls the police after jane tells him that lily left home uh so continuity again we're following up on lily 
Liz. Sorry, following up on Liz. Thank you. Um, and he yeah goes to the bookstore and there's this new woman lo- working there, and she wants to help Louis mm-hmm. to find another Liz. crazy woman. Yeah, another crazy woman. Wow, there's a <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few of them. <laughs> um, that's interesting. Do you want to do you want to talk about that? We've already talked a little bit about that. Is that something obviously that's upsetting you? Is that I don't know. If upsetting me is the word. It's I yeah, I just find it way more interesting when Louis's the problem. Right. I, I genuinely find it way more interesting when he's like the damaged one or sure. like he's getting in his own way as opposed to constantly coming into contact with people who are actual lunatics. Sure. Like completely medically unwell. Yeah. Um yeah, it's 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 far less interesting to me. It's just kind of it feels lazy and stupid. A lot of the time, it's just not insightful in any way. It's yeah, just, it's like what, like what is this? Which is when the show is being its best is when it's like reflecting on Louis and mm-hmm. his life. That's and why what's going in that first episode, I love the stuff with what's her name April. Yeah, I think that's what like that's way better than yeah. any other female character that's come that came afterwards. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I hundred percent agree with that. Actually, um, this character, yeah, decides to help Louis. She's really bad at getting information. Um, <laughs> is not helpful in any way. But she doesn't want him to give up on finding her to the point where she is completely, literally gets off on it mm-hmm. and then disappears. says, disappears. Don't ever come yeah. to the bookstore. I'm married. Yeah. That was a thing. That was a thing. This was going to be my least favorite episode. Okay. Until I reflected once again on dad. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- I was not. Well, the second half of this episode is a lot better, I think. It is a lot better, In yes. that... It's it's just a cute story. It's just a cute dad and daughter story. But Lily is just upset. Something up school's upsetting her. She seems to be being bullied. He tries Did to Did you cheer really want to see Louis like hunt down those kids and just like yell at them until they started crying? Like when they're in the gymnasium and he's going to pick them up. I mean, I hate bullies, so Yeah. I really wanted him to like just start screaming at a bunch of little girls, but it didn't happen. Um he's just trying to comfort her and figure out what's going on mm. and she's being moody with him, he ends up going to the toilet to get some Smoking space. Smoking a cigarette and watching something on his computer, yeah. And then Jane is telling him that Lily's left and he's freaking out about it and trying to figure out what to do and he can just feel that parental anxiety and he can't, like, he can't leave uh, Lily behind. He can't leave, sorry, Jane behind, but he's got to call his wife, but he calls the police first mm. and then finds out that she's just been in the cupboard the entire time reading. Again, I would be in so much trouble if I did that. I would be would in you? so much trouble. Yeah, totally. Your parents would just go, where the hell are you? I've yeah, been looking for you everywhere. Like, blah, blah. so worried. They yeah, would just be furious That's at true. Me. When you worry, worry anger is a really particular yeah, intense And it's really anger. scary to see that in your parents because I think it's like yeah. times like those when you can actually almost physically see the love <laughs> and it's yeah. so intense that it's actually yeah. terrifying. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, it was... I didn't have any problem with this bit. It was just didn't bother me. No, fine. it was lovely. Yeah. I it's it's amazing how often, very rarely, do segments that involve Louis and his kids fail. They generally mm. tend to end up being sweet or nice in some way, or at least. Yeah, I think it's a really lovely dynamic. And once again, because the two little girls aren't crazy, we learn a lot about Louis because most of the time is actually about him. This is true. All right, we're getting to the pointy end of this season. The next three episodes are all. 
part of the same storyline, the late show storyline. So I'll go through all three. I'll go through them one by one. Uh, Late show part one, Louis takes advantage of an incredible opportunity on The Tonight Show and gets a potential job offer afterwards that could change his life. Uh, Again, no traditional opening in this episode. Um, There's a time and date stamp thing happening as well. There is. And I know it's like the actual name of, I'm sure, quite a few like hotels. But I just because it has like the time and stuff, but it's it's just called the Standard Hotel. The Standard. I was like, it's feel like I feel like it's like going to the Adequate Cafe. Like yeah. it's just kind of like, <laughs> why would anyone want to name their hotel that? Anyway, that's you know, a stupid thought. But go on. Um, this episode, I'm trying to remember the specific story details here. He just goes on. Oh, that's right. He meets up with a CBS dude. Well, first of all, he oh, goes to Jay Leno. Goes to Jay Leno. He's meant to just be doing a stand-up bit at the end. Mm-hmm. He's likely not going to get on because Tom Cruise is going to go overtime. Tom Cruise doesn't show up. He ends up having to be the guest. We never get to see it, which annoyed me a little bit. No, but there is a clip online um, of him. I mean, he's done the Leno show a couple of times. So I found the like the earliest one. Um, and it, and he's on it, and he is very good, and I'm assuming that's what it's based on. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Was he a guest as well? He he was a guest talking to Jay Leno, and he pretty much just like takes over the entire conversation. It's just really engaging. Oh, I'll have to look yeah. that up. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, and then from that, he gets noticed by a CBS chairman who lets him know that David Letterman is going to be retiring at the end of the year, and he wants options. Um, and he would like to get him to basically try for the role of taking over from. Um, from Letterman. That's kind of where this episode ends is just him deciding that, yeah, he wants to do it. Um, is there, do you have anything you want to comment on at this stage or should we just keep going through the rest of the... I, I think keep going through it, yeah. Cool. So in episode two, Louis goes into training um, with... What was the guy's name? Jack Dunn, was it? No. Something like that. I think no, it might um, be... Doll? Doll. 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 Who turns out to be, of all <laughs> the fucking people person. in the world... David Lynch. <laughs> oh, I did not see that coming. So I'll be honest. I didn't know it was uh, David Lynch until the end when it says guest starring David Lynch. Did, like, did you really not know? That's where I know. Uh, I didn't know what he looks like. As soon like. as I saw him, I was like, oh, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, I, I had no idea it was him. It's, he's fucking following me around now. But then it like it made sense the way that that office looks, the like the way the waiting room looks, the change between the receptionist into like two different people. I'm like, I can't oh, right, tell okay. you how much I loved it. <laughs> It's like I don't like Twin Peaks, yeah. but I loved the Lynchianness of yeah. this. Yeah, totally. And you know why? Why? I think it's because Louis is a straight man who looks at this and goes, "It's fucking crazy." He is not. Mm. He. I mean, not the not, receptionist thing, but yeah, the actual like. He does though. He reacts. He reacts like, "What the fuck." No, that's that about the name, though. It's not about the receptionist no. switching actresses. Oh, oh sure. Because okay. otherwise, I feel like if he was actually the straight man, he would just start <laughs> screaming. <laughs> um, but I really, really, really liked... Because what I found incredible was how accurate the David Lynch, like, feel was. Yeah, it was like, yeah, he, the dialogue and the way he <laughs> performed it was yeah. so even all like exactly when he opens it. the drawer and there's all that like that old and timey weird stuff yeah like, <laughs> or just just the way he says go like it's so specific <laughs> and it's like yeah the extra long like pauses and stuff between oh, like sentences or words just like yes. hear the clock yeah um because he's clearly a huge fan of lynch yes yes yeah. absolutely which I think is even really obvious in the last episode. I think there's some really lynching mm. stuff going on there. But um, I really liked it. Like, 
really enjoyed Isn't what they were doing. Isn't it funny this. that like if I mean there can be things that we aren't naturally drawn to or things that we don't naturally enjoy but when it's done in the right way it can be kind of inclusive of everyone and everyone can at least appreciate an aspect of it and I think that's maybe Louis like Louis. Lynch light and I think you can um, grab a hold of that a bit easier. Well the reason that Louis is Lynch light is that Louis on some level I care about him and his character mm, yeah and so you can have so insane he can have the absurdity. Happen- as well, as long as for you, as a viewer, he's anchor. got the he's other bits. He's my yeah, anchor, yeah, totally. And because he's my anchor, everything else that's going on around it is fine. It's yeah. great, even. I really liked it. Yeah. I, it makes it funnier. Oh, so because much funnier. Him, someone that you can at least in some way identify with in that situation, yeah. in that absurd situation, heightens it for you. Heightens the comedy. One hundred percent. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Just. To an amount, it's hard for me to really, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Lynch was awesome in it. The the curtains and like do it when he's like getting him to read the old like Nixon jokes and stuff like that, <laughs> and like yeah, you, oh, the whole thing. Or when, or actually, one of the best sequences is when David Lynch is like showing him how to do the open. He just walks out. Oh, and, and, and like, he's just like, and the weird like the silence when he's like actually looking at him and he's just like pointing towards the crowd and then he looks at the monitor and like you hear the crowd crowd and stuff stuff. and the music. Yeah. That was awesome. (laughs) It's very good. It was really, really, really funny. Uh, And this episode really just ends with him. He's still trying to figure out if he wants the job. He's talking to Janet about it Mm. and she's like, fuck the kids. Like the kids will be fine. I got the kids. I got got the kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah, this is your one chance yeah. to like. And she's like, "What was it all I, worth?" It? Yeah, you like, you're coming to me because you want me to be like, "Oh no, you can't do it because of the kids." Um, but fuck that! Like, you've put in so much work. I put in so much work. Yeah. The kids will be fine. No one needs a dad that much. Yeah, like they need someone to like look up to and to inspire them. Um. Yes. Late show part three, right before Louis shoots his talk show pilot, Jerry Seinfeld comes to him Another with cameo. some <laughs> surprising news, a massive cameo too. They've been mm. talking this whole time that Jerry Seinfeld is the other one. Chris Rock, I thought was really funny <laughs> as well. Um, Sabotage. I think that was in uh, episode two, that bit happened where he's just like, yeah. Um, but I, this, there was a couple of things I wanted to point out. There's some really bad... Uh, cinematography etiquette in this. Oh, what happened? There's a massive boom shadow when he's walking onto the stage. Um, but like he's they've got this, this fake setup. Mm. He's got, he has the interview with the maid. Louis yeah. does interview with the maid. There's this really obvious boom shadow that's just like following Louis around, and they're talking about how the place is empty and it's like it's just the two of them, but you can see the boom shadow on the back uh, wall. You don't think maybe that was on purpose? It definitely wasn't. Okay, it wasn't obvious enough that it was like a joke. Yeah, yeah but right. it was obvious. I, I didn't notice. I looked it, yeah, at it and went. Right. No, no, you let that slip. That's fucking amateur. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and then so this episode goes on. He's decides to work hard for it. The girls are all in on him, you know, following his dreams. Although they're upset that he won't get, they won't get to see them as much. I think they're overall supportive. Yeah. The because they give him the card about. I think is that before he goes and does his yeah, that's just before he's getting ready for it. Uh, David Lynch's character comes in one last time to sort of give him some advice and leaves and says, what's the line he says? If someone asks you to keep a, like talking about in show business, if yep. someone asks you to keep a secret, it's, that secret is a lie. That secret is a lie. Yeah. And then Jerry Seinfeld comes in 
and like, oh, I'm here just to like let you know that I've already got the job and they're just using you to like, you know, take money off my salary. It's all, you know, I just want to let you know before you go out there. Yeah. And then as he leaves, it's like, just so you know, no one knows about this yet. So just give can you keep it a secret, yeah. And that realization, I got surprisingly into like the triumph of him actually kicking the shit out of that. Yeah. I mean, it was great to see him <clears throat> once like, yeah, he's doing it and he's doing it so well. Yeah. He's interviewing like Susan Sarandon and Paul Rudd and it's, yeah, he's just doing a fantastic job. Um, and he's so proud of himself. I mean, it's really rare. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure if we've seen it before with, with where we see Louis proud of himself. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And then we find out that uh, the whole thing was just um, David Letterman basically holding out for more money. Yeah. He's coming back. He's doing 10 more years and that neither him nor neither Louis nor Jerry Seinfeld have got the mm. job. But but he- now but because Louis did that, because Louis tried to get the job, um, Letterman has pretty much uh, blacklisted him. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also obviously very proud of the fact that he was yeah. able to do it. That he's, was he's, really he's awesome. He's only proud that like he just did it he he you know he run he goes running and he's out the front of like letterman and he's just like you know fuck you i did it because he's he's so proud that he was able to like rattle the boots of like the big boys you know and like yeah it was a great moment of triumph i mean this was his a comedian's rocky movie yeah yeah exactly what it was that was going for all of that like the training stuff we actually see him boxing That's right. Yeah, but I like that uh, in yeah, the it was cool. At the end, though, that he was still boxing, though, yeah. and actually kind yeah, of getting good. Still doing it. it. I, yeah. thought that was, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, I love Jerry Seinfeld as a villain. Was extremely <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I believable. I think. I think so as well. <laughs> um, I also it was just funny the context of it being Letterman retiring. Right. It mm. made me think of when he did eventually retire and like the big discussions about who was going to take mm. over and it made me think of like um, Craig Ferguson for the longest time was meant to be the guy that took over from Letterman and his, he had the Late Late his Show. His Late Late Show was so good. But it never eventuated that way. No. It ended up going to Stephen Colbert who's got it now and as far as I'm aware is doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, I think his talents are wasted on in that show. But I, yeah. I think that's probably true too. Mm. But He's like, too smart for that kind of show. It makes me wonder like... I wonder, like, obviously it's not as Lynchian as this version was, but I was like, I wonder how much of this is true. Like, how much was Craig Ferguson's whole role just to make it so that mm. they wouldn't have to pay so much for Colbert or whoever it be in the end? Anyway, I thought it was interesting to reflect I mean, on that. yeah, I, I love when Chris Rock is talking about, like, you know, the late show, like, politics, the late show game, and, like, everyone's out to, like, attack each other. And it really seems like that is the case. Yeah. Like, with all that, like, Conan and, like, Leno stuff that happened oh, and the, Fallon. The, the late show and, wars, yeah. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it seems like a real dog-eat-dog world. Absolutely. Mm. It's a, What I find really fascinating about it, though, is that where else in the world do you have, like, four or five late shows that are all competing with each other simultaneously. It's such an American television institution mm. that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world that I can think of. You've got your Graham Nortons and stuff like that, but I don't think any of them are really trying to like... They're not that sort of same sort of show. Any- well, that's the thing. Like, they're all so unique, whereas I feel like a lot of the late shows, particularly the in format. past years... Exactly the same format. Exactly the same. The main guy who sits behind a desk and does interviews with his sidekick who's either in the band or is in the booth over to the side. You can't deviate from that for whatever. Which is why Craig Ferguson was so good. Yeah. Because he was like, 
like completely like sat- satirizing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was, was sending up the whole. Yeah, the premise. entire thing because he had that stupid like robot skeleton, oh, so and then he good. had like the dancing horse that would come out yeah. and stuff. It was yeah, he was so good. So good. yeah, what a talent. Yeah, James is James Corden that does the Late Late Show now. Yes. Yeah. He does. Uh, I can't remember. I mean, they're all, they all confuse me. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he is the Late Late Show. Yeah. yeah. Um, episode 13. Final episode of the season. We're nearly there, guys. New Year's Eve. Louis is alone after Christmas and has a traumatic New Year's Eve. So, he decides to get away from it all in China. Uh, so, the opening's just not there again. We're just giving up on it. It's not happening. I would be surprised. I would be surprised if there's just barely any of those original openings next season. It just doesn't seem like it's something they're interested in doing Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Because that's actually something, like, that is a direct, like, carry-on from his early filmmaking days, is it's the black and white, it's the same font he would use for his right. old, like, films that he'd do and stuff. So maybe he's just, he's ha- he's comforted enough to leave all that stuff behind. Yep. Um, the opening sequence, one of the opening sequences here is Louis getting sort of the girls are opening stuff at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're attributing Santa to all these things. Yeah. There's an extended sequence of him trying to fix, fix a, a doll. doll. That that is, was my favorite uh, bit. Amazing. Because I really related to it when things just like you're trying to like fix something in like a panic and everything <laughs> keeps going wrong. And then you just get to a point where you like are so frustrated and like genuinely sad that it just won't work <laughs> out that you just start crying and it's so pathetic. And I was like, yeah, that, that's truth right there. Yeah, that I, is absolute truth. I really enjoyed that, that sequence. Yeah, I that thought was that good. was laugh out loud funny. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. He was like good. soaring off the head. <laughs> He's melting down crayons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. I just, I did wonder at one stage, just like how long was this meant to be and how much did they just keep going <laughs> with it? And they went to the edit room and like, fucking keep it. Yeah, this keep episode it will be two minutes longer than a normal episode yeah. just for this sequence. <laughs> worth it. It was worth it. Um, there was some continuity. They were talking about Letterman. Um, and the fact yeah, that Janet thing, mentions it, yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Then we get introduced to another sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, or as we said earlier, it could be the same. Who knows? Same with different name. You never know with this show. Yeah. it's. I, I believe it's a different one, but it's Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler Yay. just shows up mm-hmm. to be beautiful and earnest and lovely <laughs> and just love and Louis. Just the most supportive sister <laughs> and just nothing what, but warmth. That's what Amy Poehler is, though. Yeah. She's just a big hug. Oh, she's a big hug though that can I don't know. There's something like There's some amazingly yeah, her. vicious that oh, yeah. she could like yeah, rip rip you to shreds totally. And then the other guard from Orange is the New Black shows up in this as well yep, as the yep, husband. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um and a southern accent happening there. And they're yeah. just asking him to come by Oh no, they're going to Mexico. Mexico. To visit their it's not an abuela abuela, because that's the grandmother. The grandfather. Right. But I don't know the term. Abuelo? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I have no I'm idea. I'm so sorry. Uh, and there'll be hot wings on tap and whatever, and Louis like, eh, Mm-mm. not really interested. He is decides to go, though, after he has a dream with an adult, <laughs> Lily and Jane. That was very funny. Talking about... I, that was so... We're talking about Lynchian. Yeah, the right? backwards and the forwards move, movement. Yeah. And then like... And the, the surreal like waving to each other when they're like a foot apart. Or mm. the way the camera moves just sort of mm-hmm. goes back and forth. But also the other two people in the restaurant are basically... Uh, like mirrors. Ident- are mirrors yeah. of them basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very I, well done. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was good. And I just love the dialogue of like... 
how are you going? Oh, you know, I'm just working in some sort of career and it's going really well. Just like the vaguest kind of I'm commentary on their life. I'm an artist of some sort, <laughs> yeah. but it seems and to be I, going it, okay. I think it's going well. I hope it's going well. Yeah. Very good. Um, and I, yeah, I just wrote, I really enjoyed the line of like, how are we going to learn not to be alone? I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, like as much as he's a loving father, you know, he gets depressed and just eats ice cream and like doesn't really hang out with anyone just except his daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, the first time I've seen an old Louis. We've seen so many versions of a younger Louis. Yeah. And we saw true. like the, the premonition. Sad, depressing. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa just sits, Louis. Yeah. Alone eating cookies, pinwheel cookies, whatever they're called. That's right. Um, from this, he decides he will go in to, with his family to Mexico and gets on the uh, essentially the sky bus to go to the airport. And I think it's just a normal bus there because. Amazingly enough, in other cities, they have public transport that goes to their airports. <laughs> you may notice as Melburnians were a little bit... Uh, Bitter about the fact that we don't have public transport to our freaking airport. You have to catch a very expensive one-way bus there. It's yeah. very annoying. Um, but on it, who happens to be on the bus? Liz is there. Oh, my God. She's being wonderful, manic pixie dream girl as always and offers her seat to an older woman mm-hmm. and then sees Louie, gets excited, starts to have a blood nose and collapses. <laughs> they go to a hospital. She dies yeah. pretty much straight Very away. Very dramatically. What does she say to him? Bye. Well, yeah. Goodbye. 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 Like a question. And yeah. then she just is dead. Is dead. And then Louis walks out. It's New Year's. Everyone's celebrating, and he decides to get on a plane and go to China because he bought a book for his daughter about like the river in China. What's it called? The Zhang Shungs. I don't know. Remember? Oh, I don't. Don't. I'm gonna I'm stop so right sorry. now. Before I <laughs> anyway, do so yeah, he flies to China because of that. Because his daughter said it looks like it would be nice to uh, live at that river, and he. I assume he got to the end of. Towards the end of the season, he's like, I haven't spent all the money. All the money. I've got so much money. Where we, yeah, where can we go? Let's uh, go to China. China. Yeah. I, I, that's my thought too. Yeah. There was too much production budget. Why are we there? <laughs> Why? 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 This is the dad thing all over again. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a show that whether you, there's an argument you made about whether it's really trying for any more continuity or to try and build a world or whatever around itself. I feel I feel like it was and I was enjoying those aspects. It really, mm-hmm. really fucks up the landing. <laughs> like, you did yeah. not... The Liz resolution is yeah. not satisfying, funny or revel, yeah. re- revelatory in any way. Yeah, it's that thing where you stick the landing like we spoke about before and then you just do a huge fart. Giant fart yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I guess the whole thing is like, you know, he's getting out there for his girls and he's like, you know, not lonely because he's connecting with other people. I was like, well, he could have just gone to Mexico and connected with his family and that yeah. would have like hit more. Like that, that's really sticking or the landing. Or gone back to Miami and like caught up with that guy again. Yeah, and yeah, just anything. Why but go to China? Why go to China, see a tiny river and then be drawn into a, a little hut and – you know, sit in a room where Chinese people no, like undoubtedly are just making fun of you because you don't speak the language. Is there a joke there? Is it is it a statement on Louis and his inability to connect with people who are actually worth connecting with, like people that are close to him? Because you think Chinese people aren't worthy? I, shit. Uh, <laughs> I think it's more likely that they... Because they couldn't be further away from him. Like geographically, these people aren't mm-hmm. people he can, he can stay with. He's in a with. room and they're all laughing, but there is... In no, they can't there's genuinely no real connection. connect. How connection, could they? Yeah. They can't no. communicate. No. But Beyond like a 15-minute meal, he's going to leave that room. 
He's going to know nothing about them. They're yeah. not going to know anything about him. I mean, they're not going to like sit around for the rest of the day hanging out. Like that's, yeah, it's like, what? what is that? What is that meant to represent? I have no idea. I don't know what this ending was. He, we, we know he can't communicate. So maybe mm. it's comfortable in an environment where communication is not even an option. Where... I don't know. I think yes, maybe there's something you said there. It totally, just- totally. And I, I think that's a great way to read it. But then if his whole thing is like about like going out for his daughters, growing for his daughters and not being lonely for his daughters, well, he's not doing that. But is that because I think I think what happens here is that he was originally going to go and hang out with his family. Like he was going to force himself to be social essentially mm. and to connect, reconnect with his family. But then the Liz thing somehow changes him and makes him want to go to China. Like Yeah, I wish I knew That's the why thing. That's the bit that's disconnection. Or... It's like why does that moment with Liz make him go? Is it because he tried to connect with Liz and then that was taken away from him so abruptly and then Her it's Her whole like, thing like I'm not ready to die, maybe he's not I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't it just know. like there might be something there, but it didn't communicate it well enough mm. that I cared. I just sort of yeah. went, why this is like him out on the boat in the middle of the ocean yeah. at the end of if down. It I was just like don't really know. Something what about like Louis wanting to like challenge himself. It actually is it does the opposite of that. Yeah. Because even though he's going to a far off land, he's once again isolating himself in just a different way. It, well, that's the thing. It's like it's just doing the same thing in dad again. Mm-hmm. And that's not funny or interesting we already know that louis runs away (laughs) we already know that yeah he runs away when a difficult situation happens that's what he does and we know that now and we we should be fine if you were if that was the statement it's like this is what louis does louis runs but they make it seem as though it's something inspirational or some changes occurred yeah and that's not what is happening sometimes i think they do that to be subversive and i wonder if that was but again it's because we just did it with dad it makes it if it, it's trying to be subversive and you're just repeating that, you can't do that same trick twice. It, Yeah, I don't know. It, mm, I, But yeah, I'm not... It didn't go anywhere for me. Yeah, I don't feel like... Yeah, I don't think it is trying to be subversive because of how it's really positioned in the end to be somehow inspirational. But, but that's that was what makes it subversive, is if you position it to be inspirational, but it's obviously not, but the thing is then like, you're it's subverting not, that expectation. But it's not that, obviously not, which is what I'm problem. saying. Yeah. Which is, so we're saying the same so thing. So it's, it's bad satire. <laughs> I, I'm saying because of yeah. how it actually ends, and it's it looks if that was its inspirational, goal, but it's, yeah. It yeah. didn't do it. We're saying the same thing. Yeah, good. Gotcha. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. Um. All right. Did you have any specific discussion points? We brought up the cameo stuff a lot. There were a lot of cameos in this. Even to the end, Susan Sarandon was there, mm. and um, what's his name from Ant Man, Paul Rudd. Um. Was there a point about that you wanted to make specifically? Just that about noting, all the cameos. The fact that there were so many this season, and like Chris Rock was back in it for the second time. Sarah Silverman was in more than one episode. David Lynch, obviously. There was just a caval- uh, Jerry Seinfeld makes some of the show finally. There was a cavalcade of mm. celebrities throughout the I season. Mean, I think this show is for nerds. And I think mm-hmm. nerds would enjoy seeing all these people. And I think they're Louis' friends and he likes working with them because he has a lot of creative control. So why yep. wouldn't you put your friends in it? And I think that's probably about it. Okay. Really. Yeah. Cool. And you did, it didn't get in the way for you. You As a nerd, you enjoy no, being No, because... There. You know, a lot of them were playing themselves. Yeah. And, um, that, and I know Louis to be friends with these people. So, I was like, well, no, that makes sense. Well, they really, realistically do exist inside his mm. circle. Yeah. Yeah. So, that makes sense. When I was watching that first 
episode, particularly that first scene um, when April is having to break up with herself and the dialogue is so strange, I had a thought almost immediately. I was like, huh, this seems to me like I'm watching a Woody Allen film. Like it really, really felt like that. And yeah, in a lot of scenes throughout this season, um, that parallel um, became really apparent to me. Sure. This really uh, self-doubting, self-hating man in New York. um, Yeah, right. Comedy writer. Yeah, quirky, like has difficult communicating. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I... Actually, I just, and then I just Googled on like, you know, Louis Woody Allen. And I found this great article in Esquire by Stephen March. And he kind of, yeah, he kind of came to the same conclusion, really. And yeah, I'll, I'll just have a little quote from him. And then I'd love to get your opinion whether you agree or not. Um, quote There are and always have been schlubs, but Louis and Allen are next level schlubs. They are funny because they recognize their own unattractiveness physical, emotional and spiritual and talk about it openly, which takes real guts and transcendentally, which takes genius. Unfortunately, in the case of Alan, that recognition of his own flaws morphed long ago into creepiness and recently well (laughs) beyond creepiness. The difference between Louis and Alan, besides allegations of criminality, is that Louis uses his self-consciousness as a means of actually working through his own issues, which I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I think there definitely is a comparison to be made between Louis and Woody Allen. But I think there is an essential, I guess, morality maybe in yeah. um, Louis's navel-gazing, his working through his own issues, his neuroses. Um, but yeah, that, do you do you see the comparison there? I certainly see the surface-level comparisons. I can't go a whole lot deeper because I have not seen enough Willie Willy Allen stuff. Right, I haven't yeah. seen Manhattan. I haven't seen any of the classic ones, really. Mm. I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen Blue Jasmine and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know enough beyond the surface-level stuff of Woody Allen to say. Right. I can certainly see, and I think you're probably right on the comparisons, and I'm just going to be shit and not have anything <laughs> to offer here to such an interesting and insightful co- uh, observation because I can't, I can't add anything to it. Yeah. What a shit, shit host uh, I am. I mean, you're pretty bad. Um, yeah. I won't lie. Um, uh, well, mor- okay. morality, <laughs> morality is interesting because there's been times where I think Louis has been weirdly morally Vague. complex. Yes. Yeah. Um, we talked about the one episode one where he follows the cashier lady home. Mm. Or where he's got his kids in blackface and mm. so forth, and I find those really like, oh, I'm not really sure what statement you're trying to make here. Mm. Um, morally, these are questionable things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, uh, I think he, yeah, maybe sometimes. I tell, I don't know. How do you feel about Woody Allen's self-deprecation? And it does it feel earnest? It doesn't feel like he's championing his own inadequacies or he's actually a little self-obsessed. Well, uh, yeah, I think when you first start watching like Woody Allen films, before you've seen like a huge amount of the catalogue, you're like, oh, this is really insightful. Someone who's Mm -hmm. like really trying to understand um, their own workings or just the workings of people in general, society, whatever it might be. And then the more... 
you watch it, I think you kind of come to the realization that it's actually self-obsession. I think that's yeah. that's the feeling again as an outsider, and so I'm not at mm. all the person to be talking about this. But I think that is the thing that I've started to realize about him. Mm. I mean, the the bit that he's famous for, apart from his criminal allegations, obviously, as his muses, right? He surrounds himself mm. with people like Scarlett yeah. Johansson or um, Emma Stone and stuff like that, or his muses, and so he's got this obsession with obviously beautiful women and he puts them into his movies. That's not something I'm seeing happening in Louis. You know what I mean? No. Like, no, I'm thinking more of like the the persona of the male leads, which either they're, they're you know, based on Woody Allen and obviously Louis puts himself in his yeah. his own workings. Uh, is it, yeah. Um, that the, the self-deprecation, the um, gazing inward, the, yeah, the complicated relationships and – a lot of the dialogue, because Woody Allen is known for writing really great, sharp dialogue. And yeah. I think Louis, um, when he goes for that, when he goes for like a really sincere or, or you know, a conversation that is like a insightful or a commentary on, you know, feelings or relationships or whatever, it's, it's so sharp. It's so clever it's got a wonderful rhythm to it which i think woody allen has as well right okay so in that sense i can yeah listen if you see that comparison that sounds like a very mm. worthy comparison and quite a flattering one i think do you do you feel like louis doing it better in some ways than woody allen maybe not maybe you you know woody allen's got such a body of work that maybe he's at times more sophisticated or sharper mm. or more iconic, but is he actually more genuine, Louis? Is that something to I champion? think Louis is more genuine. I think Louis is more down to earth with his yep. approach. It's more relatable and I yeah, I think it's probably more emotionally honest. Cool. Yeah. I think that sounds right. But again <laughs> that's Talk me. Your ass. That's <laughs> me looking in from the outside. Mm. I think that is probably a good place to start getting into our uh, sort of final questions then. Favourite and least favourite episode. You go first, Bride. My favourite episode I'm going to give to episode... Uh, before we started talking, it was episode 12, which is The Late Show Part 3. Part of me wants to go to The Late Show Part 2, just how surprised I was that I enjoyed it mm-hmm. as much as I did. I kind of want to give it to Part 3 because I want to... I'm going to give it to part three because it's got a lot of that stuff still. And I just really enjoyed, because it doesn't happen very often in Louis, like a satisfying conclusion, an arc. Mm -hmm. Like it had a triumphant-ish ending. It just ended in a really cool place. And I felt I was nice to just like be happy for Louis in a way. Yeah. Yeah. and I just thought it was it was a funny episode, um, and it worked. It working as a third part to that story um, was really good. That whole story was. I loved all three of those episodes actually. Um, yeah, but I'll give it to part three. It's a special. Like, well done. Let's more of that would be great. Right on. How about you? Uh, my favorite is episode one. Something is wrong. Cool. Uh, yeah, like I mean, all things I've said before. I love the dialogue. Uh, I, I found it funny and I found it incredibly insightful of the inner workings of the character of Louis, which is, you know, I enjoy that kind of stuff. 
it was focused... And the motorcycle stuff made me laugh, so that helps. Well, that's the thing. It's like it wasn't... Often these episodes, particularly in the first couple of seasons, are separated into like two topics or whatever. And Mm. this has got multiple parts to it, but it all relates essentially back to the same Mm. issue. It comes back to April. I think the more I see an episode title that is split into two, the more I'm like, oh, this probably isn't going to be as good. It's not going to be substantial the way some others can be. Mm. Cool. Least favourite episode... Mine is episode Dad. eight, Dad. Yeah. It just just didn't get there in any way for me, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, yeah, was missing the wit, was t- trying for obvious jokes, went to some vague place at the end where he just runs away. Very few memorable scenes. Uh, whatever it was aiming for, it didn't hit. That's mm-hmm. basically it. Just didn't get there. Yeah, I mean, I was tossing up between, yeah, episode eight, Dad, and episode nine, looking for Liz slash Lily Changes. I think I'm going to have to go with Dad just because there were some bits in Lily Changes uh, that either made me laugh or I was like emotionally invested, whereas in Dad I wasn't at all. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably have to go with, go with Dad. I think for me, I definitely agree with you. I can see what is problematic parts, particularly in that first one, that ongoing issue you have mm. with just crazy women. Um, yeah. But that second half, it's not spectacular, but it's... It's not the worst. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely fine. the worst. At, yeah. at worst, it's fine. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Dad's going to take that one. Yeah. Cool. Final score and ranking. Um, you can go. Okay. I'm going to give it four stars, which mm-hmm. is the same as what I gave season two. Okay. I gave season one three and a half, I believe, from mm-hmm. memory. But I'm going to rank this number one. Okay. So, I'm. Not, it's not substantially better than season two. Season two, I liked. It was, I think, was funnier. I uh, had a lot of great stuff with Pam, Pamela that I really liked. Um, season three, um, is it was more experimental. It tried for some really big risks, and I think a, sometimes they didn't pay off. Dad's a great example. The last episode's a great example of it not working. Mm. The Liz stuff didn't quite get there, but along the way, it did some. It got some really cool places as well. I like mm. the stuff in Miami. I like the stuff with April in the first episode. I love the late show three episode thing. Um, I want more of that. And I like what Louis is turning into. So, mm-hmm. even though it's obviously less funny overall, I like where it's going. So, I'm going to reward it with four stars and my number one ranking. How about you? Wonderful. I am going to give it three and a half, which is the same as what I gave season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe I guess season one four. Yep. Um, but I'm gonna say so. Season one is number one. Yep. Season three is number two. Okay. And season two is number three, uh, which is confusing for my brain. <laughs> <to figure out. laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I think I enjoy the researching and the talking of Louis more than the watching of Louis. Yeah, that's interesting because your opinion has changed a bit more as, as we've, we've discussed, discussed it. it. Yes. Uh. Yeah, I, I think it's really it is really interesting to talk about, and the more I talk about it, the more I like it. But the actual watching of it by myself at my house, um, yeah, it's it's not as because I I finished it today, and a I've got a friend um, from Sydney down, and she's staying with me at the moment, and she you know we were talking, she's like, oh, what'd you do today? I'm like, oh, I finished Louie. and she's like, oh, what do you think? And I was like, I don't think it's for me. And I don't think I 
could really recommend it to anybody because I don't know anyone who would because I'm not going to be like, oh, you'll watch it, you'll love it because yeah. that, that isn't my experience. Because I because like I said at the beginning of this podcast, because I didn't find it funny and I have those expectations. Yeah. But now as we talk through it and I'm able to see it clearer, um and I'm yeah, in I'm able now to I think completely remove that expectation. Maybe my experience of season four will be so different that then I will feel as though I can recommend it to people with the preface that it's not meant to be funny, as in don't have the same expectations you would of any other comedy, nor should you have the same expectations you would of any kind of drama. It's something in and of itself and it's something different and I don't think it's fair to categorise it, Um, which is not easy to do. I mean, you can kind of say that, but it's not really easy to do because we're so trained to experience television in a particular way. Yeah, so yeah, I just – I think I enjoy talking about it more than I – enjoy watching it but that might change for next season and I hope it does that's that's really interesting because I was um I was surprised how much I stayed on engaged and really enjoyed this episode even mm. though it obviously wasn't make me laugh as much yeah I I don't know I'm a I'm a fucking sucker for like um for I don't know it, it pulled me in with its little sweet moments and it's it was trying to go for something bigger and make me feel something at times. And even though that wasn't always successful, often enough that it was, and I was really appreciating that Louis was trying that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I definitely experienced that in those three late show episodes. I It did bring, brought me in a bit more because Louis was really trying to achieve something and pushing himself and trying to grow. And I really appreciated that. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it is, it really is, has been in the past hard for me to yeah, really hold on to this show that's, and really stay engaged. That sentiment that you had that you don't love it and you'd have a hard time recommending it though, mm. I do agree with. Yeah. I don't love it, mm-hmm. right? I think I appreciate it more than I love it. I like it, mm. certainly. I like that they're 22-minute episodes. I like that mm-hmm. they're easy to digest in that aspect. Yeah. Um. And I think, I think you were right that this is for nerds. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, who I would as recommend I, it as to. When I was talking to my friend about this, I was like, when I said that I couldn't really recommend it to someone, I was like, oh, well, actually, maybe I would recommend it to someone who was maybe a young filmmaker. I'm yeah. like, and be like, this guy writes, directs, edits a lot of his own stuff. And he, he does really different stuff. And he kind of pushes the envelope. So in that case, check it out. Um, maybe like be a little bit inspired by what this guy's doing. Um, so in that way, I I would recommend it. But as for like someone who's like, oh, what's the next TV show I would watch? Why should watch? I I wouldn't be recommending this show. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think back now to the times I've heard it. Like, well, this is in our must watch category, right? This is something that's recommended by a lot of people who are sort of mm-hmm. like critics or yeah. are fans of the form, right? Mm-hmm. And I think back to those people and how they talk about it and gush about it. And they are people that oftentimes have been people who have just been into pop culture as much as me. But at the end of the day, I recognize now they're recommending this because they, for its art, um, for, for, yeah, for the nerdy side of it rather than the, yeah, anything else. Mm. And I look at that now and go, oh, it makes sense that Jeff Kanata liked this show. Jeff Kanata loves I think I misread on misunderstood people's recommendations. Yeah, I I did too. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I'm glad because I do fall in line with that. At the end of the day, but like, could 
I can imagine a lot of people who go to Jeff Kanata for as an example. He's not the only one that's recommended it, but go to him because he loves comic book movies as well, right? Mm. And has gone, oh, okay, I'll check out Louie and go, what the fuck? Yeah. Whereas I'm coming to it and it's taking me a little while to really find it. Sometimes I'm with it, sometimes I'm not. But overall, I'm like, I get the appeal here. Mm-hmm. I get why people like it. I also think it's 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 really inconsistent in terms of what is one thing from one episode to another. Mm. But that's part of it being experimental. Yeah, totally. And if the, it is, as you said, this is really Louis just, you know, experimenting with his filmmaking and so forth. Well, then you... We're along for the ride and that's you will get mm. that along the way. Yeah. If you expect that, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. And it's why I like, as much as I don't like dad, I also just go, whatever, I'll move on to the next episode and maybe I'll like that like one. just like you don't like your dad. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> uh, no, the episode, dad. Love you, dad. Uh, will we keep watching? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Would you, if you weren't doing it for the podcast, do you think you'd still keep watching at this stage? Yeah, I think I would. I at this, I I'm down for the evolution, or just to yeah see what happens. I think, and I, as much as it has been really hard sometimes for me to watch this show, it it does feel nice to challenge myself. Not in the way that like Twin Peaks would. Yeah. That was too much. That was. A little too much for me to bridge grasp. too far. Yeah, um, but a show like this in Atlanta, I can challenge myself and my expectations in a way that's a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, in a way that kind of, there is still a little bit for me to hold on to, um, or and, some, and sometimes a lot for me to hold on to, which is helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to yeah push the boundaries of what I can enjoy in television. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, uh, I think I definitely would. I unlike you was sure at the end of watching the season, even though I didn't like the last episode that much that I wanted to see more. I, yeah. I think in fact, in a way I was, I'm more certain now than any other point that I want to keep watching yeah, and cool. see where it's going. Cause I like what it's turning into. I, the discussion's great. I enjoyed the discussion too, but I didn't need the discussion to get me there. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to be like doing reviews and stuff like that. I'm, mm. I'm good to go. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, for me, I definitely will keep watching now. I'm yeah. After season one, I didn't not enjoy it, but I wasn't nearly as confident about going forward. Well, that's it. I was interested. I really liked season one, and I think I liked it so much because I thought I knew where it was going. You, you thought you knew what it was? Yeah. I think it was like an anticipate because I gave it a four. It was like yeah. an anticipatory number, really, I think. It's going to be this, but better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it was like, it's like this, but just slightly different. So, yeah. like, there was never any kind of, like, oh, it merges into what I want it to be or what I expect it to be. Because that was the thing with Which season... Which I think is why season two and now three are slightly less because I have adjusted my expectations. Sure, yeah. sure. Season two as well, we commented at the time, was like, oh, we don't have a whole lot to talk about here because mm. it's kind of just, like, more of the yeah. same. I thought a bit funnier but not a whole lot different mm. from season one. I wonder whether the conversation even I had... Um, knowing about Horace and Pete and stuff like that and what Louis has sort of now become in terms mm. of what he's trying to do has helped inform me to expect this. I was anticipating this. Mm. I was really excited when we were getting two episodes and episodes that weren't necessarily that funny and episodes that didn't have the opening sequence and stuff like that. I was like, oh, cool, excellent. This is what I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. So my expectations might be a bit different too. Uh, do we have any predictions, hopes or concerns? I do have a prediction for next season, but that's because I saw the 
name of the That's episode. That's not a prediction. <laughs> so I'm not going to say it. I have the same prediction though, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not, we're not going to say it. No, I'm not going to say. Um, but I'm looking forward to a lot of what we, what we talked about earlier about how next season has several episodes that share titles or like parts like that, like like uh, late show. There's more than one part to them. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. There's a few of mm-hmm. those, and yeah, there's a few other things that I know uh, mm. know are coming. I do have some concerns. Ooh. Well, one concern. Oh yes, and that is just that my expectations will get in the way again, and I won't be able to enjoy season four either. Hmm. I'm really worried that I just I as much as I want to challenge myself, that I won't be able to. If if it completely gave up in a gave, constructive way. Yeah. If it completely gave up on the funny con- at like. At, without any of it in at all, if it just became serious and dour, but still like full of heart and about his relationship with his kids and stuff like that, would you still be on board for the show? Yeah, that'd be fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, that wouldn't bother me. Anything else in particular? I think that's kind of Ooh, it. Oh, I just have a little something, something. Um, when I was listening to the interview with uh, Lucy K on Mark Maron's podcast, he mentioned a back in the day when he first got a VHS player and he went to the video store and he didn't have a credit card so he couldn't hire a VHS but he so he bought one and it was really one of the only ones that wasn't like a kids movie right and this movie changed the way he saw film and it is a huge you can see the influence on Louis filmmaking and I've now watched the first half hour of this film Sure. It's made in 1969. It's Putney Swope and it's directed by Robert Downey Sr. Oh, really? And yes, yeah, so I watched go. the first half hour. It's very absurd and it's freaking hilarious. It's right. really funny. Um, so if you like maybe kind of things like Tim and Eric, that kind of like just bizarro sense of humor, I think you really enjoy it. And you can definitely see the influence. Um, that it's had on Louis C.K.'s filmmaking. So, if you want to check that out, it is actually available on YouTube. Oh, so many of those old movies yeah. are now. They're so, yeah. Putney Swope, that one. Putney Swope. So, P-U-T-N-E-Y-S-W-O-P-E. Putney Swope. Cool. I think it's time to start wrapping things up. Mm-hmm. If you would like to find us, talk to us, give us comments, questions, anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so on Facebook by searching for Hunting Seasons. You can find us on Twitter at Huntingscast or Hunting S Cast. You can email us at Hunting Seasons Podcast at gmail.com. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S, Damask. M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O, that's for Twitter and Instagram. Ooh, Instagram too. Mm-hmm. Uh, special thank you to Sean Kirkpatrick for our wonderful Hunting Seasons logo and graphics. You can find his work at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net or his Instagram account at Draws. Highly recommend checking that out. He's currently, as we're recording, in Europe and he's doing in Rome at the moment, I think Rome, where I think is is current, his current place, and he is doing wonderful Copic marker drawings of his. They're so charming things. and They're wonderful. Amazing, <laughs> so great. I love his stuff. Uh, also, thank you to Jordan Calavis. Uh, he wrote and performed our Hunting Seasons theme song. You can find his work at SoundCloud.com/slash Classic J Rex. That's Classic J R E X. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we will see you next week. Catch you later. Bye. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.